0: It's really good to be here tonight. I'm super excited, even though I, like, chucked most of my water, so I'm trying not to preach, like, really, really fast, if you know what I mean. Uh, I have been going through this semester, uh, it's been a really, really sweet time. I, I don't know how to describe it or explain it, other than the fact that I really do sense and feel like the Lord's doing something for him and I, and I see it in our friends around us. Like, just he's, he's moving and he's speaking. And it's really, really cool to get to hear all of the side stories and just of what God's doing. So, with that in mind, we're coming to, like, my favorite time of year, the holiday time, where we get to, like, I'm so excited for Friendsgiving. Guys, I'm going to eat so much food. <laughs> it's going to be so good. And then Christmas is, like, right after that. Who's like, favorite time is the holiday season, where you just get to be... You know what's going to come, like you're going to go in, you're going to read a book inside or something. I don't know. Maybe that's why I like it. Whenever I get to this time, though, uh, for me personally, there's always some things that pop up that make this season just kind of different. I don't know if it's the fact that I'm Hispanic and it's not a Hispanic holiday, unless someone yells and someone cries on the same day. Maybe it's that. Uh, so that's my question. Like that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today when we first start. Is what do you fear? What are you scared of? Yeah. And like just right off the bat, like just we're just gonna we're gonna this is gonna be interactive. Okay. Just I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little different, and uh, I like I like a room that is a little bit louder. So just call out right now. What's something that you're like legitimately afraid of? Snakes, snakes. Yeah. Spiders you don't don't the Ooh, that's don't deep. All that's bad. Bad. Okay, how many of you it's would bad. say that like, your experience with that fear is not just something like esoteric, like off in the distance and, and you're like, yeah, I've never had this thing, but I really wouldn't like it. I had this really, really crazy fear for the first like half of my childhood of drowning. I didn't. I never had a pool. I never, I don't know why I was scared about that. And then I had other fears that were legitimate, and and it's because I had an experience with them. Okay. Let's flip gears here. Yeah. If I were to tell you, what is it to walk with God? What does it take? If someone were to come up to you right now and be like, you are being called into a walk with God, and I'm going to send you, you're going to go do this thing over here, you're going to be like, but wait, I need. How many would you say it's. To love God. yeah, It's important. You gotta love God. That's true. That's true. That's good. Or maybe you gotta have like a servant's heart. Like you gotta be like the one like moving all the chairs at the church that all the ladies are like, oh, he moved a lot of chairs. <laughs> Look at those arms. <laughs> maybe for some, it's being like sacrificial. Like for a lot of us, we've had people in our lives that are like they're sacrificial. They just don't care about themselves. And you look at them, I look at them at least, I won't speak forever. I look at them and I'm like, wow, that's not me. <laughs> like I just, there's some things like, that's just not me in that area. And I know it, I know it. And I think in my mind that that's what it takes. And we're given it specifically in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy ten twelve is gonna be on the screen here. And this is as God is beginning to talk to his people. And he's beginning to take this people that, that lived a very different life. They lived in a very different way. Yeah. They worshiped in a different way. They had some bad habits. Yeah. They had a lot of bad habits. Yeah. You just, just read the first part of the Bible and you'll discover that very quickly. And he's telling them, this is what it's gonna take for you to follow me. Yeah. And now, O oh Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord, your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And there they are, those things that we talked about, the fear, the love, the sacrifice, the serving. But note what's first. I gotta be real honest. I gotta say, that surprised me when I pondered this. You ever like read the Bible and you're like, yeah, I read that. And then you actually like think about the Bible and you're like, oh. <laughs> you gotta fear the Lord. Or how about this from Proverbs seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in my head, again, this is one of those verses I always, I glanced right over it or you breezed through it or you heard it maybe so many times that you have like this way that you remember it. And I'm just thinking like, oh yeah, to, to be with the Lord, you you like you think about the Lord, you serve the Lord. You it's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Fools despise wisdom, but no, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning. The fear of God. What is that? Let's pray, Jesus. We ask you to come and be with us here tonight, Father. I pray, Lord, that you just begin to. Prepare our hearts and prepare our minds. Will you open up our eyes to know you more? Lord, will you come and just have your way here? Will you move in heavenly places? Father, if there's, there's things that are on people's minds here, tests, money, anything that's that's fighting for... For that place in their mind where it's like, this is first, this is most important. God, will you just give us a rest right now from that. Give us a peace from that. And help us just to be right here, right now, in this moment. I pray this in Jesus' name. (coughs) Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, let's talk about it this way. We're going to break this down just a little bit here. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what people are legitimately afraid of. Like, you're like, legitimately, this is something I'm afraid of. Because, like, we heard it just a second ago. Like, snakes. Snakes. Fear of the deep, like yeah. darkness. Like those are all really super legitimate, okay? We can break them down in some categories. Yeah. How about this? Something ugly or monstrous. Yeah. Okay, now this is like any scary movie monster. Like this is the clown in it. Like this is the something where it's just like, oh, that's like, I know what that should be, but that's perverted and that's just really creepy yeah, and that's going to give me nightmares. Yeah. Who was like watched a movie like recently where you're like, "Ah, that's going to I remember that. Yeah, I remember that." I stopped <laughs> watching scary movies because of that. Okay. I, just, I have a vivid imagination and I yeah. think about those things far too much. Okay, something ugly, something monstrous. How about this, something someone who is a non-moral character. It's a human being, but they're non-moral. What does that mean? Okay, you're walking across and all of a sudden you hear this siren. You're on campus and it's just like, the uh, UC's throat slitter is on the loose. He's headed to the UC right now. If you will just uh, please evacuate the premises and go to your car and stay inside of Like You're gonna run like crazy if they're just telling you you need to run, right? Or if you were to be told like, hey, uh, this one parking lot at campus, like this one time a day, but like two people disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna park there. <laughs> You're just not gonna do it. Because there's someone who yeah. is non-moral and yeah. you know they're bad news bears. Yeah. How about this? Someone who expresses hostile attitude toward you. Yeah. Hostile attitude toward you. And this can be a thing. This isn't a someone. I picture like meeting like a mama bear or something, like their cubs, like they're there and there's just... and Pam and actually have like a really crazy experience with this, where before we moved here, our thing was just walks. We would go on crazy long walks. And it sounds super romantic, but it's less so. It was more like for working out. So it would mean we would go to the state park in Huntsville and we'd park the car and then we'd be like, oh, we'll try this trail. And then we'd, like, we'd walk it and we'd be like, oh, it's pretty fast forward like two months later and we're like oh this trail's like seven miles okay let's go here we go and like we're one day we did all of them and I think we did like 17 miles in like a huge hour span and we just were like what do we do why do we do that to ourselves on one of those days we were deep woods and we we're walking and there's trees all around us the trail was closed like they not they didn't let anyone there but we were like yeah there's, there's no park ranger like it's they're like sweeping the trail or something like we can surely go there we're like far in there right and we're walking and all of a sudden we just hear leaves rustling behind us and i'm like are you shuffling your feet like what's going on <laughs> what's happening classic fail. we look underneath the trees where we see the rustling and uh right about at the end of the chairs it's not too far from us was the largest hawk and right behind it was like three little babies and it was just looking at us, and it was just like getting ready, doing, doing the thing they do in cartoons. And like you know that that hog, like in hog was like probably talking to the, the husband and was like, honey they're right here, they're looking, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna charge. I'm gonna do it, I, I think they're gonna come. We gotta protect the babies, like I can take them. <laughs> We ran We weren't walkers that day We just ran Because it, it expressed a hostile attitude toward us yeah, yeah. And that was a very legitimate reason to fear Okay, the fourth one Something that has expressed malicious intent toward you Malicious intent Okay, biblically I think of Jezebel yeah. Jezebel in the Bible Elijah the prophet Had just had the huge beatdown Of all the prophets of Baal And they lost Jezebel got mad, the wicked queen of Israel, and she said, Elijah, you're going to die. What did Elijah do? Did he say, Well, my God just did this, so he's going to do that for you? No. He got scared. He got scared. Because in that day, the way you die is not fun. He got depressed, he got scared, and he ran because someone had expressed malicious intent toward you. The closest thing I've ever come to this is the very first time that I started dating Pam. And I met her friends. This one friend. I swear, she carried a knife. And she hugged me. And she was like, I'm so happy for you. And then she pulled in close. And I was like, this is weird. She said, I love Pam with all my heart. If you hurt her, I will hurt you. <laughs> and like, for this. For six months after that, I didn't know what to think of her, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be real kind to you," because she expressed, "Well, it's just intent out of love for family; means she's being a good friend." But the last one is this one: something that's alien or completely unlike us. And you can go back to the movies; you can go to any character that snarls, that like probably walks like this, and it's just like kind of like. He, he was like, "Oh, that thing's not human. That thing's gonna like destroy me." You can make a movie about it called Alien. There's so many things that you can pull from from this. But here's the problem: of all of these things, God is not like any of these. Remotely, He's not like that. These things that we have real life fears—that's not Him. You see, He's not ugly. He's the most beautiful being of all creation that we know, we see his beauty reflected through his creation. We look at the sunrise, the sunset. The God that made that is beautiful. He's not immoral, because he has a perfect moral character. And we see this when Jesus was put at the judgment seat of Pontius Pilate. Even that dude couldn't find anything wrong with him. And he was trying to. He's never expressed hostility toward man. But instead, he's only done the opposite. Did you do you own research on that one? It's all throughout the Bible. I'll give you this one: Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. His plans to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. He's never declared intent to harm us, but only to help us. Again, you find it all throughout yeah. the Bible narrative. Yeah. The only thing that you can come remotely close to. In our typical fears, is that something alien? But even that one kind of, it breaks down. Because at the end of the day, we're made in the moral image of God. And what did he do but send his son to become man? So we're connected with him. We're unified with him in that. So he's not even alien. But there's another hang up here. You might be asking, what about all the verses that say, like, not to fear? Don't fear God. It's all throughout there. First John four 18. We'll be up here as well. There's no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Another one is 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control okay so that's really cool right yeah hello yeah there we go <laughs> that's really really cool but what is it that here we have god first saying to follow me the first thing you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to fear me and then throughout later on as he's reaching his people he's saying whoa whoa, whoa. don't be afraid what is that and i really wanted like the 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 person in me that wanted like research like, oh, maybe it was like because English is like stupid. And you could say words like wood and wood and spoken completely different and totally different things, right? Or uh, my favorite one is I never said that she stole my money. If you put emphasis on like each individual word, you can get seven different meanings from like that one word. So like maybe it's like a language barrier. Maybe the Greek meant something and the Hebrew meant something different. We just didn't carry it together. But if you research that, the answer is no. The word fear in Hebrew has the exact same definition and intended meaning as it does in Greek, which has the exact same intended definition and meaning as we have ascribed it to in English. And you can you can take that and you can be like, whoa, did God like, change his mind? Because here he is telling the Israelites way back then, you must fear me. <laughs> and then here he is, kind Jesus, gentle to me, like, fear not. <laughs> but that's not God. God doesn't change like that. Yeah. The meanings are the same. And here's why I think this is important for us to grasp this. Is I think that firstly, we need to open our understanding to a more complex idea of that word fear. Yeah. We've got to open up our minds to that. It's a little bit more complex than we think. Yeah. So fear is legitimate, right? We've, we agree on that. Yeah. So what invokes a legitimate sense of Fear. Let's break this down just a second, okay? Yeah. Fear related to size. Yes. How many of you, if, I don't know, Jacob were to come up to you and be like, hey, I'm gonna punch you in the face right now, versus me coming up to you and saying, hey, I'm gonna punch you in the face right now. <laughs> like, there's gonna be a difference in your response because Jacob has muscles and arms and is like a foot <laughs> taller than me, and I, I, I don't. So I think of the time that I went to the Grand Canyon we were going to a conference and Pam and I stopped there because on the map, on Google Maps, it's like that far away. And then I realized when driving there, it's really far, far away. It's like a four hour difference from where we we're gonna go to our <laughs> conference. And once we got there, it was really cool. We got there at 6 a.m. in the morning, way before all of the tourist buses and everything. And uh, when we were leaving, the first tourist bus pulled up and all the people poured out and we left at that time. But our hour there was really sweet because it was the first time I'd ever seen it. I'd only ever seen it in a picture. And my breath was literally taken away. I, I couldn't talk for a good while because I could see so much land in front of me and the depth and everything. Actually, we were there that hour and I really, really had to pee. And I peed off the side of the grand canyon. And it was like, I, it's probably illegal, I don't know. I also took a rock, I know that's illegal. But standing off the side, I got a better (laughs) view, And I could see straight down. And, like, my legs started shaking just because, like, your mind goes to that place where you're like, what if I just, like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm weird that way. I don't know if everyone does that. But I do that. I'm like, it's just right there. And it can be related to size. And that's super legitimate. yeah. Fear can be related to power, okay? So I drive a dirt bike, it's 200 cc. Brandon, my friend, he spoke here like two weeks ago. I went over to visit his motorcycle. He's got a Harley. It's 1200 cc. That sounds weird, I know. I was like, how you doing? (laughs) The thing is beautiful. It's 1200 cc. Okay, for those of you that don't understand this, here's what this means, okay? My bike, I go like this and it thinks about going. <laughs> and I probably look like Nacho Libre. I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm gonna like, oh, okay, go off, right? And I talked to Brandon, because I, I secretly went to his house with the hope that like maybe we can try each other's bikes, like that'd be cool. <laughs> and then he told me. In like first year, he gets up to like fifty. So this makes you go so much faster. <laughs> And he said if you like pop the clutch, popping the clutch is like you're letting out too fast. If you pop the clutch, you go into gear right away. And then all you do is you stand here, the bike goes there, and does a few flips, and then you roll and you die. So I was not gonna try that. That thing is powerful. Powerful. Anyone ever licked a nine volt battery? I'm weird, I do that all the time. Like my guitar takes nine volt batteries. I don't know why. I'm just like, worked with a guy named Ethan, his dad was a lineman. Their training video involved what happens whenever you touch a power line. and It was meant to intentionally scare you. Yeah. yeah. I did not watch it, because I don't want to see that. But all I know is he said one moment that man was there, the next moment he was not. Power makes a difference. Beauty. Beauty invokes a legitimate sense of fear. Something that is utterly beautiful can do that. I did not want to talk to Pam before her first date because of her beauty. Aww. I was scared that she wouldn't want to talk to me. beat you, <laughs> like you guys I was, I was legitimately I was being such a coward. But it was because I was like, she's not gonna wanna to talk to me. She's not gonna wanna do it. She's like hot. <laughs> I'm not You're so hot You're so hot <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Dignity and majesty can also evoke this spirit So this is a really hard one for us here in America to understand So place yourself in the mind of someone who has like a king or queen. Maybe like England. Say that you're there. There used to be this sense of fear when you're gonna go and like talk to the queen. There's things you don't do when you talk to the queen. The closest thing that we have for it here is maybe meeting like a celebrity and you're like, you're afraid to talk to them. I think of when Scargage was talking about meeting Chuck Norris. Half of you don't know who he is. He was a big deal for us, okay? Don't get me wrong. He was a big deal. And like I... I, I would love to meet him. I wouldn't know what to say. I would stand there, and I would be like, fine. That's dignity. How about purity? Who here has ever heard of Mother Teresa? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's okay. She's been dead a long time. It's okay. She loved it. She's in heaven. But Mother Teresa was a missionary Catholic nun, that worked with some pretty tough people groups. And she did it her whole life. She sacrificed, gave up so many things, so much so that she got like recognized by presidents and kings and at the end of her life, people started to see that this woman was doing these things. She would go up to lepers and just hold their hands and pray with them and people who you should not be touching. She would say, it's okay, I'm gonna be with them. And she she said things like this, if we really wanna love, we must learn how to forgive. She said, a clean heart's a free heart. I believe she walked with Jesus. If you were to come in the presence of something, someone that is legitimately holy and pure, you're gonna be a little scared. And that's okay, and that's good. But how does this relate? How does this relate to fearing God? And I think we get a little picture of it in Exodus. I'm thinking of when Moses... Asked the Lord said I want to see your face yeah. And God said You can't You can't see your face you would die yeah. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you up And he went up to a mountain and he hit him in the cleft Of a rock I don't know how big that thing was or if he was like crouched down I don't know what that was like But he said I'm going to put my hand over this And I'm going to walk before you And you're going to see my glory I'm going to remove my hand and you're only going to see The back of me you can't see my face you would die And I think it's because of this the size, the power, the beauty, the dignity, the majesty, and the purity. And you know (laughs) that Moses wasn't like, oh, there's God. You know that whole time he was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to (laughs) die. He came down from that mountain and he glowed. And he shared what the Lord gave him on that mountain and he still glowed. He had to wear a veil. So what is this? Why are we talking about this right now? Like, why are we talking about faith? It's a little strange in light of what we've been talking about this whole semester. I understand that, but you need to hang with me, okay? There's a 2018 study by Barna that estimates that roughly 70% of high school students who enter college as professing Christians will leave with little to no faith. These students usually don't return to their faith even after graduation. For Barna, it's projected that 80% of those reared in church will be disengaged by the time they're 29. You see, today, you guys are the ones that are learning. And I believe that the college campus is the most dynamic mission field because tomorrow, y'all are gonna be the ones that are leading. Yeah. So this moment... This time right here, these years, if you're a transfer, like these two years, whatever it may be, are very, very important. And I believe that God is calling you and reaching out to you, and it's for a purpose. So what we've been doing all these past weeks is we've been talking about practice. We've been hearing about the garden. We've been hearing about the garden a lot. Scroggins wasn't here the past week, so we've still been hearing about the garden. <laughs> and it's so, so, so good. Last week, you remembered the raspberries that Ryan talked about? How that was invoking a peace and a purity from a, a younger, like, less hurt you, right? We all have that nostalgic moment where you're like, ooh, that. I remember that. I don't feel like that anymore. But I want to ask you. Do you have a relationship with God that's fatherly, brotherly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you hear him in the friends that are talking to you? Let me ask you this. Do you fear God? Now right now, I, I'm not just like saying that as a rhetorical question. I want us to take like five seconds yeah. and just answer that really, really honestly in yourself. And it, it's okay If this is the first time That you're thinking about this this way It is entirely Our fault Where we come from Because like we said God's love God's service God's sacrifice Here in America Our culture here We don't think of him this way as much So I want you to just ponder that for a second Do you fear God? Answer that within yourself right now. The next thing I would ask is, have you actually met Him? And I don't mean that like in, uh, have you given your life to the Lord? Like, when was the last time you went to church? I don't mean that. I don't mean that at all. What I really mean is, have you encountered Him? When was the last time that you felt His presence? When was the last time that he spoke to you through a word, a dream, a vision in your prayer time? When did he speak to you through your friends and you're like, man, I don't know how they knew that thing about me, but I really needed to hear that thing. And that changed my decisions and what I did. That was probably the Lord. And I want to ask if we're just kind of getting these degrees and doing these things to succeed financially so that we can kind of go on to our next dream. And I say this very, very carefully. I don't mean to be like heavy and like, oh, do you really walk with God, turn or burn. Like I'm not. Yeah. I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that at all. Yeah. But I'm just asking a legitimate question. Has God for you been experienced? Yeah. Has he been encountered? Has he encountered you? You see, it's like this. Whenever, I'm not a picture guy. I don't look at memories on pictures. Talk to Pam, she is a picture person, okay? I don't even know the number of pictures on her phone, but we had to buy her a bigger phone like a few years back just for her pictures. And I was like, honey, you can put them on the cloud and we'll have like more storage and you can have your pictures there and it's gonna be okay. But she's like, no, I wanna look at them. Yeah, Because when I look at them, I remember the thing that I was at. I remember what I was doing. That's not me. I'm like a memento person. If we go on a vacation, I'm that guy, the cheesy guy who goes to the gift shop. And I'm like, how am I going to remember this thing? And I'll like, buy the sailboat. Like, I legitimately bought a tiny little wood sailboat from our honeymoon. I know. Like, but whenever I look at that thing, it embodies for me like a memory of the place I get the smells coming back of like the beach and I just think like, okay, this is the thing. We went on a mission trip to Germany this past summer. I bought a small little watch. It was like, Germans are meticulous. Like I'll remember this trip from a little pocket watch that actually like winds up. And I just, I keep that and I hold that. And that's my memory. Some people put stickers on their water bottles. It used to be that you have like patches and you throw them on your hat, your jacket. The reason I'm saying this is because I think it's possible for us to have a walk with God That's not experiential, but almost memento driven. It's not an encounter that you look back on and say, this is where I went and I met with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he changed my life. But instead, you say, okay, this is where I was doing these things. And it can be for any number of reasons. It's because it's just how I was raised. And it became a part of my habits. Maybe your mom, your dad showed you how to walk with Jesus. And it was good. And it is good. Maybe your grandparents. But have you encountered him? Have you experienced him? Have you had those moments? Where we're relying on moments and pictures from the past is a reminder to us Not that that disqualifies that moment, doesn't disqualify it. But can I tell you, it's just not gonna be as strong. It's not gonna be the thing that will carry you through something really tough. If I think of James, I think of not, oh, this is what James was like nine years ago. No. I'm thinking of the last time we went and talked, like two days ago. We can't do that to God. We can't think of God and think, okay, yeah, this is where I I gave my life to you at this one meeting and now I go and I it's just a thing I do. No. We need to think this is the person that met me when I prayed this morning. This is the person that met me that I encountered. On that honeymoon. I've told this story before, but it's been a few years, and I think it's pertinent to this right now, okay? On that honeymoon, I went swimming. I was out in the water. It was way too far out. Way, 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 way too far out. And Pam had come for a time with me. We were snorkeling. It was about this deep. It was really awesome. It was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. She was like, I'm bored. I'm gonna go read on the beach. And I'm like, I'm gonna keep going because I can. (laughs) Well, I was out there for, I don't know, probably a good 30 minutes. By the end of that, I was getting all wrinkly, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back in now. And I decide to swim back and I kick off. But I remember I can still feel the bottom. So I'm like, pivot, and swim. And then the moment I kicked off, like I felt, just touch your bicep and make it really tight. I felt that on my right toe. And so I'm thinking, hmm, that's a really spongy plank. Nope. I look between my legs with my snorkel on and I see the biggest shark I've ever seen, been close to. Yeah. And I say biggest. It was about the size of like a, a lawn chair that you like lay out on. So its head was like that, that big. And apparently it had smelled me, it, the, at least that's what I was told, that it, if it really wanted to harm me, it would have just come and done it. But instead it was kind of smelling me, checking me out. So when I kicked off, I kicked it in the nose and apparently they don't like that. It's like a really sensitive area. So all I looked between my legs to see was this thing turning about face. And then if you've ever seen like a jet ski take off, that's what it did. And it just was like, and I, I was in the water and I was just like, and I just started thrashing like crazy. And I just, I was swimming for my life. I like That's what it felt like in that moment. I was swimming for my life like a crazy person. And I know it. And I made it halfway. And then I was like, no, I don't want to die a coward. I'll see him coming for me. I'm going to turn around and walk backwards. So I like turn around in the water. And I'm just like hopping, like looking desperately, not blinking my eyes and my goggles trying to see this like gray dot of death coming for me to eat me. And it never came. It never came back. And I made it back to the beach. And I run out the water. You would have think I, like, gathered some dignity by then. I did not. I ran out of the water like a crazy person, screaming, do not go in there. There's a shark. And there was another honeymoon couple that was entering the water. And the husband was like, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) We overheard at the dinner, someone next to us was talking. And we overheard. I was like, yeah, did you hear... Like some guy, they're calling him shark boy. Like some guy like touched a shark and like, they they shut down the beach, that's why we couldn't go swimming. And they were like really, really mad. And I just like was eating my my alfredo. (laughs) Before, I would have thought of that. I'd be like, sharks are scary, Yeah. but they're kind of cool. After that moment, we still had four days on our honeymoon after that. After that moment, I legitimately was walking by the beach, and my heart sank. I had like dread because I felt that power of its nose. I felt the muscle. I saw it swim away from me as fast as I'll get out. And like it wasn't until the fourth day that I realized we were walking on the beach, and there was little gray swooshes going in the water. And was like, oh, those are all sharks. Okay. Cool, we're never going in the water again. There's a difference when you encounter something as compared to when you think about something. There's a difference when someone tells you about something. Like, even right now, our levels of trepidation and fear are different. Let me tell you that. Because I almost added to the carbon in that water that day. Very, very understandably so, I (laughs) hope. And for you, you're like, you're just thinking. You're thinking about it. You're like, that's a pretty scary thing, yeah. But for me, that's an experience that I can look back to you. Yeah. And I can say, from the bottom of my heart, sharks are scary. <laughs> and I think that gives a little glimpse of what we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. You see, I don't want us to walk with God kind of like the way we think about like, your average TikTok modern skincare routine. Like, oh, if I do this thing, that happens. I'm going to try that. And you just kind of, you try it. And it's true. You try it for a time. And then you watch another thing. And you do that thing. But no. When you have an experience, and when you meet reality, that reality hits the road. And you walk on that road with your own two feet. And I think we can sum it up this way. Intimacy leads to illumination. Intimacy Always leads to illumination. What does that mean? The closer you get, the more you see. Yeah. You can drive on a highway and go 90. You see a lot of green swooshes going by you. You walk on that road. You start seeing the detail of every leaf on every tree. You get the smell of the ground and the land around you. When you're intimate, it gets illuminated. Yeah. Illumination leads to Revelation the more you see on something the more you discover about that thing yeah. illumination leads to revelation and just put it in the context of your own relationships like who here is like dating someone like if you're brave enough and bold enough just to raise your hand like you're dating you're married you're like in a relationship you've been through a relationship okay and you know it you know it first you're like you're far away and you're like yeah, you kind of nice, <laughs> But then it's not until you actually begin talking, you go on dates, you spend time together, that their life becomes illuminated. And you either like it or you don't. Like at that moment, at that space, like you're like, okay, I see what I'm dealing with. I see what I'm working with. Like this is a person and they're another life, And then it brings revelation. You learn about them. That revelation is something that is not up here. It's real life, it's real time. I remember for me personally, whenever I discovered that Pam was graduating in two years ahead of me, and we were just started dating, like my revelation was, ah, this is not gonna work, because she's gonna be done with school two years before me, and I'm gonna be here stuck at school, and she's gonna be moving somewhere else to get that job. Like I, I was making decisions based off what was revealed Here's where I think where we, lead to some, we run into some trouble. Revelation leads to confrontation. Revelation always leads to confrontation. And we think of confrontation, and that word for us is naturally, in our culture, it's a very negative thing. Confrontation means like, ooh, we're disagreeing. I'm gonna fight you and then we're not gonna talk ever again, right? Like there's something like that, like cancel culture is going on like crazy right now. But confrontation, we gotta redefine it. Confrontation is simply coming face to face with something and saying, let's see about this. Mm -hmm. Going back to that same example, when I discovered that Pam was graduating two years before me, we talked. And I said, hey, I don't know how this is gonna work. And she said, hey. I love you, and we're going to figure it out. And we did.
1: We got closer. And this
0: thing goes in a circle. So revelation goes to confrontation, which leads to more (coughs) intimacy. And you just keep going, and you go, and you go, and you go. Because when we're talking about fearing God, it's very easy to just think in that negative connotation. But now in light of all of those things that we're thinking through, beauty, power, majesty, dignity, and linked with this, you see the heart of what we're really getting at is encounter. Yeah. I asked you, have you met the Lord? When's the last time he spoke with you? What I'm really asking you is when's the last time you encountered the Lord? Yeah. 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 When's the last time you encountered the Lord? And what did that look like? Yeah. It's really easy to hear about all this stuff about fearing God and to stay in your head and to think, okay, I should just fear God more. Maybe that's why I've been like, I've been taking a Sabbath and I've been praying and I've been doing all these things, but I just, I still feel the same. So, okay, here's a new practice. I'll just fear God. I'll be really scared of him, right? And then, and then you go home and you try to be like, but no, just like, that's missing. That's missing the thing. It's not what I'm saying whatsoever. Encounter is an intimate thing. Encounter involves us coming to the Lord and saying, I'm here. I'm gonna stay here till you come too. It helps me so much whenever I'm praying, I think of a million different things. It helps me so much sometimes to just like write something down because it gets me focused right here. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm just gonna talk to you. I'm gonna do it with a pen in my hand because it's gonna force me to just wait. And I wait. You see, that confrontation, that coming face-to-face thing, I think it's gonna look a little bit different than you might expect or experience in the past. I wanna read to you, we're coming to a close here, I wanna read to you three stories of individuals that have encountered the Lord. And I want you to listen to their wording. I want you to listen to how This takes place. I want you to listen. The theme that you're going to find is not what we think when we think of fear. The first one is this: Charles Finney. Charles Finney was alive 1792 to 1875. He was a just just look him up. We probably wouldn't be standing here were it not for the revival and the great awakening that happened at that time period. But this is him getting saved, meeting the Lord, and getting encountered. These are his own words. Hang with me. Don't fall asleep. I'll be reading a little bit. So if it helps you, close your eyes and just kind of picture this happening as he it. There was no fire and no light in the room. Nevertheless, it appeared to me as if it were perfectly light. As I went in and I shut the door of my office, after me, it seemed that as if I met the Lord, Jesus Christ, face to face. I must have continued in this state for a good while. But my mind was too much absorbed with the interview to recollect anything that I said. But I knew as soon as my mind became calm enough to break off from the interview. I returned to the front office and found the fire that I had made of large wood was nearly burned to ashes. But as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Indeed, It seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to me to fan me like immense wings. Oftentimes, if you go and you Google Charles Finney getting saved, what you're going to find is a brief description of this encounter. But if you actually find his penned words... And what he describes was real wind moving in his office. And he had to ask it to stop. It's vastly different. It's bathed in love. And each of the time that fear is described here, the encounter that comes, is like nothing else you ever think of. The second one is this. It's actually my own personal Encounter with the Lord Before we gave our life To come here I was a music teacher And I loved music I taught music for five years Through college and after college I still taught And we had been getting pushed Like we could see the Lord moving us In the direction that we're in right now To enter into ministry Like in a different way But I'm Hispanic And you don't ask for money in Hispanic culture. Even me wanting to become a musician—that's—it that's, that doesn't pay the bills. You're Hispanic. You're supposed to pay the bills, have kids. <laughs> Tradition is key. Tradition is so so key. Don't get me wrong. I'm not ragging on it. I think it's beautiful. But for me personally, there's at that time I felt that missions and ministry was never gonna be a thing for me. Because never was I in a place where I could ask for money. And I'll be really honest, at the time, I didn't think that asking someone to send you money to go on a mission trip was right. I thought you gotta work your way, and you gotta earn your medal, and you gotta go do it. And if you're supposed to do it, the Lord will provide. Yeah, he'll give you, he'll give it to you through your job. That's legitimately what I thought. And that's where I was at. Well, here comes a mission trip. <laughs> You have some coming not too, not too far from now. Yeah. Mission trip we decided to go on that we were asked to, to help with. Pam and I were going both. This is the first time that we both had a really huge overseas mission trip and the budget was enormous. It was hard. It was difficult. We were just music teachers. We were making minimum wage at best. And so we were supposed to have 75%, the plane ticket, you guys know, you've been on a trip, Like your support leader probably talked to you about that already. Like, this date, we're we'll having the plane ticket. This date, we're gonna have the budget raise. Well, we got to that day, we didn't have anything. I was getting really, really discouraged. Not to mention, in the back of my head, I had all these doubts. I was scared to even ask my family. Because in my heart, in my head, you, you work for your money. So we go, we're giving grace past our, our support raising date, and then we go to the missions retreat. At that time, you go off into the woods to like a campground and you spend like three days and you just learn like what not to do and what to do in the airport and how not to offend missionaries when you're over there. It's needed stuff. But the first night that I was there, I fell asleep and I was feeling really, really discouraged because I just kept thinking, man, how are we going to afford this? And also, are we supposed to be doing this? I fell asleep and had a dream. And in my dream, it was me and some friends that were going on mission trips. And one of my friends just said, we're gonna go ask for help. And like, it was, I I can't describe it. It's super cheesy and there's no way around it. But in my dream, we were like transported to like, like Wizard of Oz type land. And it was this beautiful forest that was laid out in front of us. And there was a man that came and he met us. And he was like, welcome. Okay, we'll take you where you need to go. And like we get on this train and we're going through this place and he's giving us a tour and it's like super dope. It's really awesome. It's really cool. We get to a building. and It's kind of like this factory building and he brings us upstairs and there's a wall that has a window. That's an office and we're standing in the hallway and through that window, I just see an old man with white hair and he's working at a desk. And in my heart, in my head, I knew who it was but I was really, really scared to talk. So the first friend, he goes up, he's like, okay, we have this mission trip, we're gonna go, I'm gonna go ask him for the money we need. And he goes, and then he leaves with a smile, and he walks out, he goes back to the train. I don't know. There's like six people next to me, and the whole time I'm like shaking in my boots, struggling through all these doubts and all these fears, as each of them just like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do it. And I see them through the glass and they're talking and they're just having a conversation. He gives them what they need and they walk away. Yeah. And finally, it comes to me. And I, I'm still petrified. I'm thinking like, who am I that I can know? I'm the quiet guy. There's no way I'm gonna like go to other country where they speak a different language and like tell them stuff when I can barely even talk myself. And so I walk into the room because I know I came this far. Yeah. I'm not gonna go back. And I'm like, okay, just build up your courage, just do it. And I walk in the room and I open the door, I close the door and I completely choke. And if I remember rightly, I just stand there and I start to kind of just tear up because I keep thinking, I have no right to ask for this. I have no right to ask for this. And the man looks up from his desk and he looks at me and he just has the sweetest smile that I can ever describe. And I see his, his his like his countenance is just I can't put words to it, guys. It's the sweetest thing. I, I just I and he just looks at me and he just saying. It's okay. I understand. It's okay. I know that you're scared to ask. But I'll just give you what I have on hand. And he reaches into his pocket and he, he pulls out like a hundred or something, and he's like, hey, Well, hold on, I I have some more. And he's like he keeps pulling and he keeps pulling out and I'm, I'm standing there by the desk and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, our trip's like close to six grand. I don't know what'll give you anything well. And then he pulls out like a thousand dollar bill. He's like, well, yeah, hold on, I just need it. I think I got some more in this one. And then I see a million dollar bill and he pulls it out, puts it on the table. His chunk changed to him. Then he keeps going and going and going and going going and here am I scared about funds because it's not my culture it's not something you're supposed to do and practically speaking I'm leaving this place with billions and I just remember I couldn't speak still I was just bawling my eyes out the whole time and I walk back and I leave and I wake up and I'm in like the cedar room with the horribly uncomfortable beds and I turned over and like my whole pillow is soaked I would just been crying that whole time in, in real life and that was the moment the Lord broke me of that whole support freezing thing by showing me he loved me in that way that this was his intention and also was the moment that he called me. For me that was the turning point. Was, I could say I could pinpoint that point and say, okay, that's when I was saying ministry is different. It's not just something you volunteer, it's you, you volunteer in. It's gonna be it's gonna be different. And he's gonna do that for some of you guys here next week. The last one I'm gonna leave you with is this. Azuzu Street. This is a place in California. It was a place for where pretty cool revival again i'm just gonna let you do the research like just go google this find it out azuzu revival there was a black preacher has one eye named willie seymour which is really ironic did not see more but prior to this revival the lord had been speaking to people in this city and they were going around the city and they were prayer walking. They would just go, where, Lord, where do you want me to pray? And they'd go out and they'd just go and do it. They'd just go and pray. One encounter, I'm just gonna read it and then we're gonna close, okay? This is one of those that prayed. One evening, July the 3rd, I felt strongly impressed to go to the little hall in Pasadena to pray. And there I found Brother Berkner ahead of me And he had been led by God to the hall We prayed for a spirit of revival For Pasadena Which is where Azuzu is Until the burden became well unbearable I cried out like a woman in birth pains And the spirit was interceding through us Finally, the burden left us And After a little time of quiet waiting And great calm settled down upon us Then suddenly, without premonition the Lord Jesus himself revealed himself to us. He seemed to stand directly between us, so close we could have reached out a hand and touched him, but we did not dare move. I could not even look. In fact, I seemed more spirit, and his presence seemed more real, if possible, than I could have seen him or touched him naturally. I forgot I had ears, I forgot I had eyes, but my spirit recognized him. The the heaven of divine life filled and thrilled my soul. Burning fire went through me. In fact, my whole being seemed to flow down before him like wax before fire. I lost all consciousness of time and space, being conscious only of his wonderful presence. I worshipped at his feet, and it seemed a veritable mountain of transfiguration. I was lost in pure spirit, and for some time he remained with us, and slowly he withdrew his presence. We would have been there yet had he not withdrawn. I could not doubt his reality after that experience. Brother Berkner experienced largely the same thing. We lost all consciousness of time for the time that his presence was with us. The sun was up the next morning before we left the hall. But the night it seemed was half an hour. The presence of God eliminates all sense of time for with him all is eternity. It is eternal life. this is the secret of time appearing to pass so swiftly in nights of real prayer. Time is superseded by the element of eternity that is there. For this last part, this is the part that really really stood out to me. And we have a slide for this one. He closes with this. For days that marvelous presence seemed to walk by my side. The Lord Jesus was so real. I could scarcely take up human conversation again. It seemed so crude and empty. Human spirit seemed so harsh. Earthly fellowship, a torment. How far, naturally, we are from the gentle spirit of Christ. The revival that broke out in that city a couple weeks after that, you can Soundly say that world missions Is presently driven in large part From what occurred in that city yeah. yeah. It's still moving You see next week We have missions week coming up I actually don't like missions week I don't like that name for it I actually really wish we could just call it Life after college week <laughs> Because God's going to be calling some of you into something greater. He's going to be yeah. encountering you yeah. in a different way. I really truly believe that. We're yeah. praying for that. And I believe he's going to move and do something crazy and shake the earth because of what's going on in this room right now. Yeah. But if you are the person in this room and you're saying, I want to have that. If you're living on the fumes of your parents' walk, walk with God, Or, if you're the person who you just never experienced this and this is the first time you're hearing of these types of things, can I just say that's okay? For all three of those, it's going to be okay. Because God is here. He walks with you every day when you go to class and you go to work, you just don't know it. And here's, I think, what our clothes is going to look like. Yes, we're going to have altar time. You might be like, oh, it's that altar again. We're doing that thing again. We're going to do the altar. We're going to go up to the front. Guys, can I, can I just say that's a part of having a relationship with Jesus. I was at the altar three nights ago in my in my music room. Gabriel was sleeping. Pam was sleeping. I just, yeah, I needed, I needed to pray. We have a lot going on right now. I needed to pray. I laid down on that rug. and I was at my altar. I was at my altar this morning sitting at my desk drinking my cup of coffee. And the Lord was there and he filled my cup. He filled me up. He gave me the strength to go through the things that we're going through. Guys, this thing of encounter It's not that crazy Pentecostal thing, okay? The Lord's a gentleman. God's a gentleman. He's here in this room right now. And so if any of those that I described earlier are you, there's a little check that I'm gonna have you do. Because there's some things that can block God's voice. They block his his, his voice and us hearing him. Yeah. And they're pretty typical to all of us. And they're this. I'm gonna say these and then we're just gonna take two minutes and we're gonna see what the Lord says to you. If either of these is something that's going on in your life and your heart. It's not gonna be emotional. There won't be music in that time. It's just gonna be a heart check. The first one is this. The past must be clear. Your past must be clear. Every sin confessed, any wrong to man, put right. He wants your past clear for your good. A clean heart's a free heart. To have you forgiven everybody. Can't expect the Lord to forgive you. Forgive us our sins if we've not forgiven everyone. The second one is this everything doubtful in your life must be removed. And doubtful, I mean, you can't decide if it's good or bad. But there's just that little something that you get that you're like, I don't know about that thing. I don't think it's bad. I don't know. Just away with it. It's not worth the risk of losing a relationship. Losing hearing the voice of the Lord. The third one is this: prompt obedience at whatever cost. Quickly, implicit, unquestioning obedience. Are you willing to do whatever God says? This one, this is what I was going through when I was getting ready for that mission trip. I didn't trust that the Lord would do what He said He would do. I was halfway being obedient. One foot out the door. Prompt obedience. The fourth one is this, public confession of Christ. Confession of Christ. This is something that you do, okay? This is not profession. Profession is you're like, yeah, that too. If I'm like, who loves tacos? And you're like, yeah, tacos, I want tacos. No, that's you professing something. Confession is different. It plays itself out in your everyday life. It's when someone comes to you and they say, hey, why are you so happy, man? You're like, actually, the Lord's with me. Yeah. Yeah. Confession. Are you willing to publicly confess him? And so here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna take 60 seconds. And the band can come up. We are. We will have some worship here. The band can come up now, please. And. And I want you just to ponder this and ask yourself and ask the Lord. What needs to change? What needs to move? So that I can hear your voice. Is my past clear? Is there anything doubtful? Am I being obedient? And am I embarrassed And we're going to do that right now. So we're just going to take 60 seconds of silence. The band is not going to play. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want you to have a conversation with God, right? going to respond I've asked the band if they would just lead us in some worship this is not something that's emotional this is something that's set in reality so if there's something there this is your time to just talk to God about it and have him help you the altars are open you can make an altar where you're at you can stand you can move you can do whatever you need but we're just going to take a moment And we're going to get a revelation of the value of Jesus in our life. Because it's that that gives us the courage to do what he says. Until we get a revelation of God's love for us, we'll never have power over all the stuff and the junk that clings to us. Okay? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond. Jesus, will you please help us right now? Holy Spirit, will you anoint this time? Will you anoint each one in this room? Will you meet us, Lord, Meet us where we're at, wherever it might be. Will you guide this time? Lead us closer to you, God. Lead us closer to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to to see you rightly. To see you rightly, Jesus. Father, will you encounter us? Will you meet with us? Will you give us direction right now? Give us courage. It takes courage to stand up, to move, to get out of your seat. It takes courage. Lord, will you give us that courage? Father, will you please just help us to just worship you in spirit and in truth right now? Help us, Lord. Help us, Father. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.